final podcast episode to mark World Menopause Day, I spoke to Lizzie from 50 Cents, an organisation working to educate, support and campaign for those experiencing the menopause. Lizzie, welcome to this third in our short series of menopause podcasts. Thank you. It's an honour to be here. Can you tell me about yourself and what is your background? My background is I'm a journalist, so I write a lot and writing is my therapy. And through that, when I turned 50, I started my website, 50 Cents, and people quite enjoyed it. They enjoyed what I was writing. And then it started developing where I started talking about the menopause I was going through because I had no idea about menopause symptoms when they first hit. And that's where my whole life changed, really, because suddenly a whole lot of people started getting in touch with me. So while I was a journalist and I'm a production journalist, so I'm not one of these ones who goes out on fancy photo shoots or, you know, covering walls or anything. I sit in an office all day. Suddenly I had a big platform to do, which was a bit strange after a lifetime in the background. But yeah, it's been good fun. And and so what are you trying to achieve with 50 Cents and, and, and why do you think that's so important? I'm just trying to make people aware that menopause is more than hot flushes, really, as I keep mm-hmm. saying, and let women know they're not going mad, which is the common cause and certainly what I thought was happening to me as well. And to try and, can you say, desensible it? That's not a word at all. But I'm. What do you mean by to, that? I'm trying to make it so it's not so boring and dull and worthy. <laughs> because a lot of women say that after they come out of the menopause, they have a great life. And also, some of the things that happen, if you don't laugh about them, you'll just cry. So, like yesterday, I got lost in the subway under the road next to me. It's one road. How did I get lost? But I got in the middle of it and I had no idea which direction I was. No, that is total validation for me because I've never had a very good sense of direction. But for the past nine years, while I've been experiencing this temporary madness, I've had none. And once it took me nine hours to get back from Manchester. Oh, my goodness. I, I got lost. I've drove that journey so many times. Yeah. But I, I never thought that was due to the menopause, but I shall blame it on that. <laughs> I blame everything on menopause now. I drop things, that's the menopause. My hair's a mess, that's the menopause. It's a great get-out clause. Brilliant. It, it, and and, and I, I totally understand what you mean by um, not being boring, because so many people cannot relate to it young. Well, you know, apart from um, p- particular and minority groups, young women, men, you know, and why would they talk about what is seen as an old lady's subject? I was 41 when I was diagnosed and I'm not ready to be an old lady yet. You know, I mean, I'm 50 next. But at the same time, I think it's important that you say that. How do you think that this whole Davina McCall phenomenon has affected that? It's brilliant that, you know, she has helped open up the conversation so much. And I've been a huge fan of Davina since Streetmate. Like, you know, she is she's a hero for me. But at the same time, 
celebrities have easy access to gynecologists and all of the top people come and talk to them and want to talk to them because it's good for them as well. So I do worry that, you know, I said this a while back with Mariela Frostrup, about four years ago now, actually, like she was in a documentary talking about my gynecologist. And I'm just lucky if I can talk about a gynecologist, my particular one. My waiting list to see the gynecologist. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I feel that there's, they do a very sanitized version, for want of a better word, of how it is. They show what it should be like for all of us. And sadly, it's not like that. And a lot of women feel very disappointed that their menopause isn't the same way and that they don't have Davina's six pack. I've had a few women tell me, you know, I thought it would give me Davina's six pack taking HRT and I still feel terrible. So it's a mixed blessing. I I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I've been trying to unpack with my previous guests and with my friends and male friends as well. Is it the loss of being relatable to what kind of is seen as physical attractiveness in loss of fertility, which some people never had to begin with, to be honest, me included? Does that mean that you're not in the game anymore? I mean, that is why menopause has been so looked down on and so ignored over the years, because women just became invisible. They were no longer able to do their main function to society as a male-dominated society sees it, which is provide children. You know, I'm I'm the same. I've never been able to have children. And so you still get that look of, oh, she chose her career over, you know, it's the woman's choice sort of thing. And you, you look down on it a little bit at times. And so I think menopause is that, well, she's not going to have kids anymore. So what good is she to society, you know? And actually, I agree very much with Dr. Jen Gunter. This is when women come into their own because hormones are no longer ruling your life. And in the past, we were the wise women, you know, and we were the ones who were helping after the next generation and show the next group of mothers, you know, how to help look after their children, because our children don't come out the womb ready to walk, like in most of the animal kingdom. They need a lot of time and attention. 55 years for my poor mom, in my case, she's had to give me her time and attention. So I do agree that we have the menopause so that we can then help to look after the next generation and start doing that. Oh, there's so much you've said there that resonates with me about, you know, if you can't reproduce anymore, what about those people who have an early menopause mm-hmm. because they could never reproduce? In some respects, does that make those individuals pointless? It's a very good conversation. I, ha- I know women who have gone through their menopause when they were 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And finding relationships has been really difficult for them because they have felt themselves they've had nothing to give their partner because they haven't been able to have a child. You know, and so they felt themselves are lacking when they're some of the most amazing women I've met, you know, to go through that at such an early age and to be campaigning now and making the difference. I I just think they're incredible. And I think, but you've got so much to offer a partner and it that might be children but you've got so much more else going on in your life and it's a shame that it all becomes piled down to this so I think in one way menopause is saying you know just because we can't have children doesn't mean we're not of use to society 
Indeed, I have uh, three adopted children and keep me on my toes 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> okay, so what are the most important facts that women need to know about the menopause? It doesn't happen when you're old. Mm-hmm. My mum is 92, she's old. I'm only 55, I'm young. So, you know, old is all relative. And we do a lot of the people who have premature uh, menopause disservices by saying it's something that happens when you're old. Mm -hmm. And it does us a lot of disservice as well, because when I started my symptoms, I was in my mid 40s. And that's certainly nowhere near old or even feeling old. And so menopause wasn't something that went through my head when I started, you know, losing my hair and having aches and pains and palpitations. I thought yeah. I was dying. Yeah. So the main one for me is get away from this idea that it happens when you're old. It happens when you're enjoying life. Yeah. And, you know, in the flush of it, to speak. And it's not just hot flushes, as I keep saying. We need women to, as our conversation says, know your menopause and understand what's going on and what they may expect but also that they might get nothing my best friend literally woke up one day and realized it had been about 14 months since her last period that was it she didn't have any symptoms they just stopped overnight so we need to tell people you know regardless of the headlines it may not be that way for you and for about three quarters of women it'll be all right in one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. It's not all It's not all a total nightmare. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Some people have a, a more positive experience in, indeed. Okay, so, so what advice do you have for University of Southampton staff currently experiencing the menopause? Tell people. I think telling people is your biggest armour. It protects you because then they understand what you're going through. So that means we need to be aware of what's happening to our bodies as well as women. But definitely tell people what you're going through. Talk to HR, talk to your managers, and basically just talk and support each other through it. And what advice do you have for line managers who are very often, you know, younger women with no health issues and, of course, men? And what advice would you have for line managers and colleagues working alongside those experiencing menopausal symptoms in the workplace? Understand that this this is a hormonal shift that women are going through. I don't like the term deficiency because I, I don't think it's a deficiency. It's a hormonal shift in exactly the same way. A good friend of mine is pregnant and she's getting hormonal shifts. So one day she's happy, the next day she's crying. Some days she feels terrible and she's lethargic and tired. Nobody would judge a pregnant woman for any of that you know baby brain is something that we all just understand so look at menopause in exactly that same way it's women going through a hormonal shift that they can't help I can't help how my hormones do you know any more than I can help only being five foot it's not something that's in my control I'm you know I can take control and work through it but I can't help how my hormones are doing just the same way as anybody pregnant can't help what their hormones are doing as well. So try to think of it that way. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. It's something that is happening to us. It's not a a lifestyle choice. It would be a very unpopular one. So how can women support each other in the workplace to navigate the menopause? Oh, I often find women are the worst because 
you do get the men who go, well, my mum never had any troubles. And you think, well, that's because your mum didn't tell you, probably, you know. Suffered in silence. Yeah, but a yeah. lot of women are very, well, I got through it, so why don't you, you know? And we understand that everybody's menopause is unique. And because one person has a brilliant time, like my friend, who I constantly tell I hate, because <laughs> one person has a brilliant time doesn't mean the other person does. So yeah, be yeah. understanding and just be aware that, you know, as I said before, this isn't something the person's doing on purpose. They're not doing it to get attention or anything like that. It's just their body. So just be aware that everybody's menopause is unique and be flexible around that. There's a limited awareness of how trans and non-binary people experience menopause in the workplace. How do you think workplaces can adapt to support these groups in particular who are living through a very stormy climate at the moment in terms of their identity as well? Yeah, it's very, very important, especially, you know, for trans men and for non-binary, but also for trans women as well. We do say all women will go through menopause because we found that a lot of cis women don't think menopause will happen to them. Uh You know, they they somehow think it's an optional thing that they can get out of. So the only way we could find to do it was to say all women. And the terminology does bother me, but until we can come up with a better way that we can fit on a poster that we've made, you know, without turning into a billboard, it's difficult. Language is the most important part. Sure. Obviously, you know, everybody should be affirmed in the way that they feel and the you know, how they are. So language is a huge one and making a bit of a special effort to be more understanding and aware. It's a topic that I need to do more research on because I don't quite understand all of the hormones that trans men will take to go through their transition, for example. And there are some brilliant people out there who have spoken about their menopause as a trans person or a person uh, non-binary. So follow them. There's some really good people out there. I I think it's um, a really good piece of advice to say a little bit of special effort goes a long way. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt anybody, you know. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, it's it's not going to do anything. And, you know, I know how horrendous my menopause made me feel. I would hate to think that just an oversight on my part could make somebody else feel worse because I had days where a look would have me sitting crying in the shower for two hours, you know. So just be understanding. These are people who are going through a difficult time just like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you think our society views menopause? And do you think it's moved on since the word menopause itself was a taboo? And It's changing. There is still a large reticence about it but I think that's not so much menopause I think that's to do with the fact we live in a very still a sexist and ageist society uh-huh. you know I follow um, Nikki Clark on Twitter who does the Act Your Age campaign we're trying to get older women into films because you know once you're 40 that's it you, you don't get part anymore until uh-huh. you're 70 or 80 And that's all tied in with how we view menopause, as we said before. But it is changing. And what heartens me the most is men are talking about it too. We did an event in Westminster shortly before lockdown where we took our poster campaign to launch it to the, the MPs. And 
I had a four foot copy of our poster on one of those Corex boards. Here's me five foot carrying this four foot poster around on, you know, from Canterbury to London on the train. And the train guard walked by when I was sat on the train and looked at it, gave a little snigger. And I sort of rolled my eyes thinking, oh, bloody man. And he walked away, did his ticket collections and then came back and went, my wife's got quite a lot of those symptoms. Do you think oh, that wow. was? And he sat down and we chatted for five, ten minutes about what his wife was going through and what help she could possibly get. So men want to help. So everybody's got somebody who goes through the menopause. So it's great to see how men are opening up and wanting to know more about menopause. Yeah, that's great. You've actually just pinched my next question, but that's okay. We've, we're up. I will say, what role do men play in relation to the menopause and women's health? For example, the recent news story of a male being appointed to period dignity officer in Tayside, and indeed our own fabulous University of Southampton Menopause Working Group is co-chaired by Richard, who is great. One of the best menopause champions I know is the, the two Darrens, actually in Wales, Darren Dupree, and I can't remember the other Darren's name, but they both work. Darren Dupree works with Eunice in Wales. The other Darren is NHS Shared Services Partnership with Wales. And they are huge menopause champions. And a lot of the success we've had has been down to them helping us out when we first started. So the period guy Sorry, I don't mean to call him the period guy, but the period guy did have me rolling my eyes because I thought, why couldn't they have had a woman for the very first one? Yeah. But in theory, I have nothing against men joining in and supporting us and helping us. Certainly not. And and they're role models, aren't they, for other men to say, hey, this matters to them. Maybe it matters to me as well. And and so they don't turn around and be the guy who says, oh, my grandma, my mother got through it and didn't moan. They, they would be, be looking, like you say, that it, little bit of extra special effort, yeah. which was, which is the thing that's really rung true with me during this conversation, goes a long way. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we are just walking bodies, just the same as they are walking bodies. Our bodies are different, but it's all just biology at the end of the day. So it's not a taboo for men to talk about women's problems any more than, you know, I will tell my husband to get his prostate te- checked, for example, you know, or talk about it with the guys at work, the things that concern them with, with their health care. It's just a body. It's just biology. So anybody who talks about it and is on the right side, as I would say, is welcome as far as I'm concerned. Brilliant. So what are we working towards in an ideal future that would better support menopause in the workplace, Lizzie? Oh, my goodness. Flexible working hours. I am moving more and more towards legislation as well. I would love to see legislation cover women in exactly the same way as it covers us going through pregnancies. Because when the menopause hits, You can have a workplace policy, you can have workplace pledges, but when the menopause hits and if it hits you hard and you're filled with all that doubt and worry, you're not going to take advantage of it because you're too scared. You know, I used to get really worried about going into work and being sacked, sometimes for mistakes that I'd caught, so they hadn't actually happened. But I would think, oh, they must think I'm useless because, you know, I made a mistake in the first place. It wasn't that I caught, it was that I'd done it. So when I was having bad days, even though my workplace is great with menopause, I 
had that little thing in my back of my head going, but they could still sack you if they wanted, which was my menopause talking to me. Yeah, it was because all of that expertise and experience that you built up, you were focusing on a little mistake because you're yeah. not as sharp as you used to be. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big one on wanting legislation, but otherwise menopause policies and menopause pledges are fantastic and we need workplaces to embrace them and do more and to show women they're serious about it and it's not just box ticking you know oh we've done menopause this week tick you know so to do that simple things like make sure the temperature's okay for women who are working there I had very few hot flushes but they did almost destroy me you know I used to stop me dead so making sure the temperature is okay that there's plenty of water for women to drink another big one as well for me is free sanitary products because sometimes I used to come on and I had no idea you know it wasn't when I was supposed to and I hadn't been that machine in the toilets isn't it that no one can work that's it yeah and half the time (laughs) it doesn't work and And it doesn't work you know like a friend of mine was flooded, like she literally could not stand up because she had been wearing trousers and and she suddenly came on in the middle of a meeting and she felt it and she had yeah. a around us. So it's not just having the machine in the bathroom, it's having easy access to it because when she went in the bathroom, she didn't have any money to put 50 pence into a little Whenever you need to change for those machines. I, I did see recently one in a service station that had a contact list. I thought, oh, that's fantastic. Brilliant idea, yeah. Um, and lastly, you're talking about legislation and obviously you'll be aware of the recent Women's Inequalities Committee menopause in the workplace report. What are your thoughts on that report? The one thing I, which does go against what I was saying about legislation, I'm not too keen on menopause being a protected characteristic because that others us a little bit, I think, whereas I just want women and men to be viewed equal, you know, and our healthcare to be taken seriously. That's it. I find that so interesting because there's also a campaign for care leavers to become a protected characteristic. And the, the the research that has been done amongst care leavers is that for that same reason, they don't want to become a protected characteristic. But I suppose I think to myself, do we see disabled people or people with ethnicity as other? I, I think it works um, for for all of the other protected characteristics. I I struggle to understand how how that could be, but I'm sure you're you're going to tell me. Please do. I suppose it's because I don't feel as if I am being discriminated against because of my menopause. Whereas okay. I think those other groups are so easily discriminated against, you know, and and they do have to fight for it. And this is just a small stage of my life as well. It's not going to go on forever. Please, God, don't let it go on forever. But it won't go on forever. So I just feel that the protective characteristics should be for those people who need those little bit of extra help all the way through. Yeah. And going through. Whereas society, I mean, in, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need any protected characteristics. We wouldn't. I mean, in the report also it cited some research that was conducted in at University of Southampton by Professor Jane Falkingham that women are 53% more likely to reduce their hours and I think it's 23% oh that's right more likely to leave the workplace at age 50 and that's based on a 
an existing data set. So I suppose that is the disadvantage. It's this workplace, isn't it? And for those women who were the sole breadwinners, they were more likely to just stick it out. Mm. Which is really sad, isn't it? Because they yeah. they do just have to eat, and especially at the moment, the yeah. cost of living crisis. That's it. That's one of the things that our campaign, the positivity campaign, has started looking at over the last year, is people who don't have any choice. You know, they yeah. they have to go. I've always said my friends, the one woman who works in the small pharmacy, there's her and two other men. She can't take time off because yep. of her menopause. You know, mm-hmm. they're certainly not going to have a menopause policy. There's just the three of them. They sort everything out amongst themselves. And women in food banks as well is another one that we've been looking at. You know, these are women who are just trying to get through the day. Yeah. And they don't have time to look after themselves and do it. So we need society to change as a whole to just look after and help these people. Yeah, to a very yeah. difficult time in our lives. Yeah. Lizzie, thank you so much for talking to me. You've been a brilliant guest and we've had such a, a lovely conversation. I've really enjoyed it. You've made me think a lot as well. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.